Welcome to Main Menu for the week of September 13 to September 19, 2013. I'm your host, David Tanner, and we are very pleased to have you with us here on Main Menu today. If you are a frequent listener to Main Menu, welcome back. We are always glad to have you here with us every week. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. We're glad to have you here and hope you enjoy the show and get a lot of valuable information out of it. Well, today we have a very full show. We're going to start out with... Main Menu Executive Producer Chase Crispin is going to be interviewing Main Menu staff member David Woodbridge, and they are going to be talking all about iPhone 5C, iPhone 5S, and the iOS 7 operating system, which will all be coming out here in the next week to week and a half, and so you'll want to hear what David has to say about that, and he's going to be telling us a lot about the features of the phones, talking about the comparison between them, talking about the new operating system some, and so you'll really want to hear that, and as you know, if you've been around Main Menu for very long, David is certainly the guy you want to hear from when it comes to iPhone, iTouch, and iPad information. David is right on top of it. And we're very pleased to have him on the main menu staff. Second up, we have Jamie Pauls comes to us from the Saratoc Network. And Jamie is interviewing a representative from Enabling at the ACB 2013 convention. And they're talking a little bit about some of the products from Enabling Products. And then we follow that, compliments of... Freedom Scientific, we want to thank them for allowing us to rebroadcast the FS cast from August 2013, where Jonathan Mosen and Eric Damry start to introduce you to the upcoming release of Jaws 15, and we will hear the first portion of that on today's show, and then the remainder of the show uh, will be next week's show, and we will be hearing that then in two parts because it was too long to fit all in one main menu and so next week's show will be mostly FS cast the second part from August 2013 and by the time you hear the entire thing you will know pretty much everything about all the new features and the changes and so forth taking place in JAWS 15. We're going to go right ahead now and get into these productions because it's going to take quite a while and we hope you have a great week and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. Hello, Main Menu listeners. This is Chase Crispin, and today I am speaking with a very familiar voice. I'm speaking with David Woodbridge from Australia, and we're talking about new Apple hardware and software. David, welcome back to Main Menu. Thanks for having me back again. All right. Well, today, as we're recording this, a couple days ago, by the time this goes to air, Apple made a pretty anticipated announcement about some new hardware, and they didn't announce one, but two new iPhones. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about the two new iPhones that they've announced? Yep, so currently with the iPhone 5, and Apple announced today two 
iPhones to replace the iPhone 5, and that's the iPhone 5C and the iPhone 5S. And basically, with the 5C, it comes in a 16 or 32 gig version. It's still got an A6 processor, and it's got a polycarbonate back, or if you're like me, a plastic back. Um, and it comes in different colors, a range of six colors. And then to complement that color combination in the case, you can also get multiple colors in a rubber case with a cutout on the back that tend, that sort of contrasts with the color of the phone backing as well. So they're looking at it as really a statement of what color you have on your case and the color of your iPhone 5C to make a statement about your personality because that's the stuff they got on the website and that's what Phil Schiller was talking about. It's basically got the same camera as the, the 5 and it will come shipped with iOS 7. So it'll have iOS 7 on it and as they announced today, sorry, as the presentation today, they said for pre-release, so this will be available by the time you hear this demo, on Friday the 13th, it'll be pre-orders for the iPhone 5C, and then there'll be order and purchasing available for both the 5C and the iPhone 5S on the 20th of September. So basically, you can get your new, brand new iPhone 5C or 5S on the 20th of September, and the pre-release version of iOS 7, which is what's called the Gold Master, that went live today, and for existing iPhone users, you can download the update to iOS 7 as of the 18th of September. So basically, the 5C is basically a slightly cheaper phone by about $100. Um, that's if you bought it outright. I know in the States, you have contracts that you can get it cheap, but unfortunately here in Australia, I checked on the price of the iPhone 5C and the 16 gig one was approximately $650 and the 16 gig iPhone 5S was actually $750. So not particularly cheap really. Um, but getting up to the 5S, um, the 5S has got an A7 processor and one of the big things they did announce is that this is the first mobile phone that has 64-bit processing. So like a PC, where you've got 32 or 64-bit processing, you can do 64-bit now in the iPhone. And of course, it'll also use 32-bit based programs as well. And another really interesting chip it's got now called the M7. And basically, that's a low-powered chip to monitor things like your movement. So it does, it tracks the accelerometer, the gyro, and that sort of stuff. And it, it looks like Apple's really getting into the health and fitness realm. And apparently Nike will be producing a Nike device with an updated application called Moves or Move. And that will be to monitoring your fitness. And the, the way this chip works is that if you're stationary or sitting in a car or doing something, it knows that you're not doing anything. But it because it's actually separate, if you like, from the actual main A7 chip, it only kicks in when it has to. So they're sort of saying that, you know, to some extent, this is much more efficient. It's low powered, so it's not going to drain so much in the battery. So you've got the A7 chip, the M7 chip for monitoring your movement. And then you've got the 64-bit processor. Again, it's 1632, but plus being a the brand new iPhone, it's 64 gig as well for memory. 
Um, it'll come preloaded with iOS 7. Of course, as usual, it's got a better camera. They always seem to put better cameras, of course, every time they update. And, of course, the, the, the big announcement, which sort of everybody knew about already via the gossips on the web, is the thumbprint scanner. Uh, so what that is, is you put your thumb on the home button, and around the little home button, there's a, a stainless steel band, and that's to sort of detect that you're putting your thumb or finger on the thumbprint scanner. And what it will do is two things. It'll either unlock your iPhone for you, but you can still put in a PIN number, we assume, or when you're purchasing items off you know, the App Store, the iBook Store, or the iTunes Store, you can also get it to authenticate uh, your purchase. So you don't have to type in your password. You can just use the thumbprint scanner. So really, the, the highlights for the iPhone 5S is probably the A7 chip, the M7 chip, the 64-bit processor, the improved camera, and, of course, the thumbprint scanner. Does the iPhone 5S have the same form factor as the iPhone 5? That's an interesting question because they didn't actually go through that. I mean, they, they, they def- definitely showed it visually. Um but they never actually said whether it had the same backing as the iPhone 5. So I'm sort of assuming it probably does. I'm not getting a hold of one until towards the end of September. So as soon as I do, I'm going to do a podcast on both the 5C and the 5S. All they really were absolutely definite about was the polycarbonate one for the 5C. So I'm only assuming that the 5S will be the metal back with the glass inserts on the top and bottom. But as I said, as soon as I get my hands on one, we'll, we'll definitely update everybody about that particular issue. And the 4S is now the free phone, correct? It is, correct. It's very weird because we'll still have the 4S. We won't have the 5 anymore. So we'll have the 4S, the 5C, and the 5S. So, you know, all of them now will run Siri quite nicely. All of them will be capable of running iOS 7. So... It really boils down to most of all now is, well, look, you know, if you've got an iPhone 4S and you've got iOS 7, you can still use it with a bra display, your Bluetooth keyboard, it still runs all your favorite apps. You would then have to think, well, what's the advantage of updating to a 5 and a 5S? Now, I know we say, you know, the better camera might be better for OCR and using things like Prisma or TextGrabber for OCR of restaurant menus and so on. But... If you're not particularly interested in that sort of thing and you don't need the M7 chip to monitor your movements in the 5S, then, you know, if you've got a 4S, then you might be pretty well okay not upgrading. So for someone who might be looking at upgrading their iPhone or getting a new phone, and they maybe don't want to spend a lot of money, what is the real difference between getting the free 4S or the cheaper 5C? Look, I would say the process is definitely faster you know but then again you know it might run some replications a little bit faster but then again who cares to some to some extent the other thing too is what they normally do and i'm pretty sure this is the current for the 4s at the moment they tend to drop the gigabytes down in the earliest phone they've got available so for example and i haven't double checked this but the 4s is probably at the moment only eight gigs so to me, 8 gigs, particularly if you're looking at playing audio books, you want your music with you rather than doing iCloud streaming, you want some Daisy books on there, 
you know, e-books and some applications, a couple of maps or GPS apps and other applications, 8 gig to me is really stretching it. So my thing that I say most people on the Help Desk at Vision Australia is that, okay, you might not need a new phone and you could probably get a 4S, but if you keep in mind that it's if it's only 8 gigabytes, to me that's too tiny. If you, all you wanted to do was have a smartphone to make phone calls and be accessible and send SMS messages and, and maybe use Siri a bit, absolutely fine. But as soon as you start wanting to put content on there, not only what I've just talked about, but movies and TV shows and, and that sort of stuff, then I just would say, to me, that's too tiny. So then the question is then, well, okay, well, if it's too tiny and 8 gig, do I then go for a 16 gig or 32 gig 5C or a 16, 32 or 64 5S? And, you know, to me, I've got no preference one way or the other, unless if you're like a geek like me and you want really cool things new to play with, then myself personally, I would go for a 5S because I, I want to play with the home the home print, sorry, the home print scanner, goodness me, the thumbprint scanner, I don't know why I just said home print scanner, um, and that would be very cool. But I'm looking you know, forward to not entering my password all the time, that's going to be nice. That's right. And look, if you're like me, I'm a really bad person. I always buy a lot of apps. I buy a lot of iBooks. Um, I buy a lot of stuff on Kindle. I'm always testing software. I'm always downloading movies or TV shows for my boys. So to me, having something that I don't have to keep typing in my password all the time would be actually very useful. The other thing I probably should add with the iPhone 5S is that you can get it with a leather case apparently. Um, again, I believe in different colors. but. You know, you can buy different cases anyway. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's actually going to fit into anybody's equations about, you know, do I, get, do I get the 5S with the leather case or do I get the 5C with the custom-made rubber cases already? I think the other thing we didn't mention about the 5S is that it now comes in gold. It does. We forgot about that. Actually, that was quite funny because I was listening to the um, This Week in Tech stream and it was very funny because they were talking about it comes in gold, which is fine, which other people were calling it different colors, but it's gold, white, and before it was called black, but now they're calling it space gray. So it's gold, white, and black, or if you want to be trendy, gold, white, and space gray, You know, which sounds pretty cool. I think my, if my wife upgrades, she's going to get a, a white iPhone 5S, which probably means I'll, I'll get to play with the home button uh, thumbprint scanner anyway, but gold, white, or, or black, or space gray to me is not going to make that much difference. I mean, at the end of the day, I think the main issue is if all the hardware mainly goes into the processor speed, disregarding the thumbprint scanner um, and the camera, then, you know, iOS 7 will function perfectly well on all four, three of the new iPhones, the 5S, the 5C, and the 5S. So, you know, if you're looking purely from functional accessibility, can I use my app's point of view, then any one of those three phones will do the job quite nicely. What is the pricing, at least where you are, for the iPhone 5C and 5S? The 5C uh, is currently approximately uh, $760, and the iPhone 5S is $860. Um, I think I said I might have missed pronounced that before i must have I, I think i did a lower price but definitely the 5c on the apple store is 760 for the 5c and the 5s is 850 and when i went and checked out the price of the 64 gig 
iPhone 5S, it was just over $1,100. And I think here in the States where we can get things on contract, I think the 5C is $99 for the 16 gig, $199 for the 32 gig, and then the 5C is $199 for the 16, $299 for 32, and $399 for 64. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that sounds about right. So, you know, it's still reasonably expensive. I know all the tech pundits on the internet were talking about, you know, it'd be good if Apple had a cheaper phone. But I guess in Apple's purpose, they always talk about quality. They're not interested in making anything cheap and nasty. So, again, this is a high-quality phone. But, you know, I just wish they could have lowered the price to make it more of an entry-level smartphone iPhone to people that can't really afford that type of money. Transitioning now into iOS 7, which is the operating system that's going to power these new iPhones, there are obviously tons of new features, and I know you're going to be doing a bunch of demos on these new features, but can you just kind of go over the most important new features within iOS 7? Yeah, and look, the features I'm going to talk about today is already public knowledge anyway, so we don't have to worry about non-disclosure agreements or anything else. The... Major one that I want to point out, I guess first is the one that's been really talked about is how iOS 7 looks. And I would suggest to, particularly to low vision people, because the iPhone looks very different to voiceover users, it's not going to be that much difference, but to low vision users, it definitely looks a lot, lot different. There are some issues with contrast, with transparent icons and so on. So I would urge anybody who's low vision to definitely have a look at someone else's first before you do the upgrade after the 18th of September. But some of the really cool features of iOS 7, and of course the first one is the control center. And for voiceover users, that's where you can do a three-finger flick up from the status menu. And in there, you can access and turn things on and off, such as airplane mode, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. One of the things in the control center is that's where you're airplay to your airplay speakers here so remember that before it was in the the app switcher so you press the home button twice you, you do a three finger flick to the right to move over to the left and that's where you have your airplane button to play to uh, you know your aq audio smart speakers or your apple tv and so on so airplay is now definitely in the control center and very coolly you've also got a flashlight and that turns on the flash on the back camera so for people that have got vision or low vision, you can use it as a flashlight. And I, I noticed on a demo that I saw in, in England once, um, the flashlight was called a torch. So apparently English people call it a torch, US call it a flashlight. And I was really sad because we called it a torch too in Australia, but we get the flash name, the, the, you know, the flashlight oh. name, but never mind. So the control center, like I said, you can do a three-finger flick up and then you can tap on Bluetooth on and off. You can type on Wi-Fi on and off. It's very cool. Rather than having to go into settings, and access their controls all the time. So that's one of the big things for iOS 7, which I absolutely love. Now, the second thing I should mention, because there's no way you're not going to know about this unless you get told about it, is previously when you wanted to get the spotlight, you would be at your initial home screen that contained messages, uh, you know, your maps, weather icons, and everything else. Well, now if you press the home button from that screen, it doesn't go anywhere. So... If you're a voiceover user, the way to get to Spotlight now so you can search for you know, music or apps is to basically touch one of the icons. So touch one finger on, say, weather or flick to it with left and right. 
and then do a three-finger flick down, and that will then bring up the spotlight search for you. So again, that is flick left or right to get to the icon or just touch an icon, a three-finger flick down, and that'll bring up the spotlight for you. So if you use Spotlight a lot, that's the easiest and the only way in a way to get to Spotlight on your iPhone. So that's number two. The third really cool thing that I absolutely, and this is another feature I absolutely love, is the App Switcher now. And the App Switcher now, remember before with the App Switcher, you would get four icons of each app apps on each screen, and you'd have to flick through to get to another app or to close one down. Well, now what you can do is when you go into the app switcher by pressing the home button twice, if you then flick through, it's a continuous scroll. So you can go from the most recent to the oldest by just keep flicking and scroll through the whole lot of them. And when you get to an item that you just want to close down, down, you can just do a three-finger flick up and that will close that application straight away for you. So that is a really cool feature. So rather than doing the original you know, double tap and hold and go into edit mode and double tap it. When you're on the icon you want to close down, three finger flick up closes it. If you do a one finger flick up, that's your actions menu where you can choose to also close it from there or activate it. Or of course, we all know if you're just flicking left and right through your app switcher, a one finger double tap will just take you back into that particular application or app anyway. So again, to close down an app in the app switcher, you flick left or right to get to it, it's continuous scrolling, three-finger flick up, closes the app down. So that's a very, very cool feature. Uh, the other nice thing is some improvements to Siri. And one of the really nice things to do with Siri is that you can actually tell Siri to activate accessibility options. So you can actually say voiceover on or off, uh, zoom on or off, invert colors on or off, you can do all that and it just turns them on and off. So rather than having, you know, to have your home button set to triple click home for say voiceover, you can activate Siri and just say voiceover on, it'll turn it on. Will triple click home still work? Yes, it will. Okay. Triple click home will still work. Um, and funny enough, triple click home has been renamed to accessibility shortcut. So I'm assuming that's to come in line with, you know, what the Mac calls it under accessibility. But interestingly enough, under accessibility, when you go into accessibility shortcut, it still says triple click of the home button. So it's actually slightly different. But the other nice thing is if you say to Siri accessibility settings, it will take you straight to the whole accessibility panel. So before, we'd have to drill down through settings, general accessibility. Well, now with Siri, if you just hold in the home button and just say accessibility settings, It'll take you straight to the accessibility panel, and then you can go into voiceover, zoom, invert colors, and all that sort of cool stuff. So, again, a very quick way of getting the stuff. The other thing I noticed the other day is you could also get it to read your messages or your emails. So, I said to Siri the other day, read my mail. And lo and behold, it said, you've got a mail message from so-and-so, subject so-and-so, and then when it got to the fifth one, it said, do you want to read any more? And I said, no. And then I said, read my first email. And it actually read out my first email to me. Now, Very I nice. think that's, that's, that's lovely. And I think that's because, 
Apple is moving towards making Siri a very hands-free thing for cars now in 2014. So we're just getting the benefit of that. The other really cool thing is it because it looks up uh, Wikipedia now, I said to Siri, give me information about space stations. And it brought up a wiki article about space stations and it said, would you like me to read this article out to you? And I said, yes. And it just read uh, probably the first couple of paragraphs of the article and then it had a hyperlink there I could just tap on to go into the real article. But again, it read the initial article out to me. And if you're a Twitter user, you can say, for example, you know, what is David Woodbridge saying or what is David Woodbridge saying on Twitter? And it'll bring up a list of that person's, you know, tweets to see what they're talking about in Twitter. So there are quite a few things to do with Siri that have really improved. And of course, at the demonstration they did on the keynote when they were talking about the iPhone 5C and the 5S, Siri has also got a, a, a better, higher quality voice now that is much easier and, and nicer to listen to. Um, I mean, I didn't mind the old Siri voice either, but this one's a little bit higher quality. One of the most talked about features of iOS 7 that we probably don't necessarily care about, but that a lot of the low vision inside iPhone users might, is the redesigned interface in iOS 7. It doesn't sound like the interface has changed a lot, but things have different shapes, different looks. Does this affect the way VoiceOver or Zoom users will use the phone? It doesn't affect the way that VoiceOver uses the phone. Um, you know, except for the, the you know the software changes in Spotlight and the App Switcher, um, you know the way to get to the control center and that sort of stuff. But it will affect the way that anybody who has low vision uses, you know, the contrast settings. So invert colors, they use zoom. There's also a few large print options now in iOS 7 to do with larger fonts, um, higher contrast, and those sort of issues uh, or settings. So, again, if you're looking at the phone visually, whether you're using large print accessibility options or not, that will absolutely definitely impact, impact upon how you use the iPhone with iOS 7. And keep in mind that, you know, when I said that September 18th will be the release of iOS 7, when you buy a new phone from Apple, whether it's the 5C or the 5S, that's going to come with iOS 7 on it already. So, again, I just urge people, if they have currently iOS 6, before you upgrade to iOS 7, have a good look at it. If you get iOS 7 and what they're saying to everybody on the internet or what some of the podcasts I've been listening to, such as Macworld, they're saying that people are just going to have to get used to the way things are because it looks like Apple will not be going backwards. So iOS 7 is practically here to stay. And as always, to do with anything to do with any of the other products, if people do have issues or you know they feel like there's something they really can't use because of the contrast or anything else, to definitely email you know Apple uh, Accessibility. So that's accessibility at apple.com and let them know what your issues are. And you know they will look into it. They may not change it or they might give you a reason why they can't change it. Or they might say, hey, great, you're the hundred persons that's gave us feedback on that particular issue will look into it more for you. All right. And you had mentioned that the newer iPhones, the 5S, 5C, will come with iOS 7. What other devices is iOS 7 supporting? So basically, the iPhones that will, come, will be compatible with iOS 7 will be the 4S, the, of course, the current 5, the 5C and the 5S. 
So if you've got a 3GS, you're out of luck. Um, it'll work with iPad 2s and above. So iPad 2, the iPad Retina, and the iPad Mini. And with the uh, iPod Touches, it's basically the iPod Touch, fifth generation, 16 gig. And that, <clears throat> and that was the one that actually came with a little wrist strap down the bottom. That was sort of the cheaper iPod Touch. And then you've got the more expensive iPod fifth generation, which is the 32 gig and the 64 gig. And that will also work with iOS 7 as well. Does the iPhone 4 support iOS 7? No, it doesn't. Okay. No, so that's the 4S and above. So the 4, it, they definitely didn't say the 4 in the presentation this morning. So it's definitely the 4S, the 5, the 5C and the 5S. All right. Is there anything else you want to mention about the new iPhones or iOS 7 before we wrap this up? Look, I would say just for voiceover users, it's almost business as usual. I mean, I know we've got the changes to the app switcher. There's the control center, the way to get the spotlight. There's a few more options in voiceover that I'll be doing some demonstrations on. But for voiceover users, in a way, it's almost business as usual. You flick left and right, you double tap on stuff, you can still get to your status menu, you still get to settings, you can still find the accessibility uh, option under general. All that sort of stuff is pretty well the same. So for voiceover users, we're pretty cool. Um, low vision users and for silent people, that's really where the issues are going to come in by transitioning from iOS 6 to iOS 7. It's going to be a huge change. One thing I wanted to say about browse support in iOS 7 is in the beginning when you had contracted braille on and then your braille input keyboard and you typed on letter B, it would automatically expand to but, B-U-T, and then you hit the space, of course. Well, now what they've got is an option that says contracted braille on, automatic translation on or off. So what happens now is when you type a, a B and you've got automatic translation off, you can type in B-U-S, press space, or if you type in a B and press punctuation or a space, it'll do the automatic translation for but. So that has been a huge one, particularly for um, you know young students in schools using Braille on you know an iPhone or an iPad that they've wanted to keep using grade two translation, but they wanted to type in other words, not just what the equivalent was for you know B but C can D do. And, and, and so on. And the other thing that I haven't tested in Australia is it actually now supports the Nemeth Braille code in the US. So um, that's also now supported. And the other really, really cool thing to mention about Braille is that particularly if you're a deafblind person, you've got an option now that you can tell uh, VoiceOver to leave the on-screen keyboard on the screen, which means when you pass your iPhone or iPad to a sighted person, the keyboard remains on the screen so that you can type on your Braille device, the sighted person can type on the on-screen keyboard. So it will actually keep the on-screen keyboard on the screen because as we all know previously of iOS 6, when you start typing in you know, the input keyboard in Braille, the actual on-screen keyboard is not on the screen. So this way, VoiceOver allows the, the on-screen keyboard to remain on the screen. So you know, those three main changes to Braille, the automatic translation on and off, the Nemeth Braille support, and keeping the on-screen keyboard on the screen, so you can have Braille input plus the on-screen keyboard, I think that's, you know, three really huge improvements in 
browse support on iOS 7. All right. Well, thank you, David, for joining us here on Main Menu today to talk about the newest from Apple. We look forward to hearing your demos on all of these new features, and we look forward to talking to you in just a, probably a few weeks about Mac OS Mavericks when that comes out. You will. And as we all know, in the, the publicly announcement, they had iBooks on Mavericks, and they also had Maps on Mavericks as well. So I'll, I'll be doing some several podcasts on that. And as soon as I have the podcasts done on the iPhone 5C and the 5S, that'll be on main menu as well. So as I always say, I shall be back. Here at a busy AACB 2013 in Columbus, Ohio, and it's always good to catch up with friends. And we've talked with Enabling Technologies many times on our podcast, but we always like to do that again. So I'm talking with Kate today. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. So talk to me about what Enabling is up to this year. Well, we are showing today and this week the Romeo Attaché Pro, our individual Braille embosser, and the Phoenix, which is our newer embosser that is the only one on the market that can do fine quality graphics and good standard Braille. So it has two separate types of dots. Okay. That's excellent. So tell me a little bit more about the Phoenix. That sounds really interesting, kind of the, the price and that sort of thing. The Phoenix comes with its own software called the Firebird Suite that enables you to make your graphics. Mm -hmm. It is accessible. Sure. And it is $4,995. All right, but that sounds like that's going to be some high-end product there that the people Uh, are going to be able to do. It's very good for schools and universities. We all know this stuff is not uh, inexpensive to produce, and and, uh, uh, that's, you know, very understandable. Sounds like you guys are doing some great work. What other things do you offer that maybe you're you're not uh, specifically mentioning here at the convention, but that you want to talk about? Well, we're known for the Romeo and Juliet. Sure. And yes, the prices are not cheap, but our products have been lasting over 20 years, most of them. We've been in business for 43 years, and constantly we are hearing about people who have brailers from the 90s, even a few in the later 80s. Very impressive. So there's a lot to be said for quality and integrity. You guys have been around a long time. That's correct. Excellent. Uh, What's the best way to get a hold of you guys? The website, you can get all the information and contact us, which is www.com. Brailler, dot com. Okay. We also have an 800 number, which is 800-777-3687. And to get sales, is extension 204. Very good. Well, thank you, Kate, for taking the time to visit with us today. Thank you. Reporting for the Sarah Talk Podcast Network, I'm Jamie Pauls. Welcome to FSCast, the official podcast of Freedom Scientific. This is Jonathan Mosen with edition 81 for August 2013. Good to have you with us again. We appreciate all the feedback we received after last month's edition. If you want to get in touch with us, the email address is fscast at freedomscientific.com. 
That's FSCast, all joined together at freedomscientific.com. First of all this month, good news if you were still considering upgrading from ZoomText to Freedom Scientific's Magic Screen Magnification Software. That competitive upgrade offer that we've talked about on other editions of FSCast has been extended another month. It's good until October 31st. If you own ZoomText or some other screen magnification software and you can give us the serial number, then you are eligible for this offer. Take advantage of it while it's hot. Let's recap, for $199, you can get the Magic Screen Magnification Software with speech, you get the Magic Large Print Keyboard, and a Magic Software Maintenance Agreement. That's a package with a retail value of $769 for just $199, only until October 31st. Now, if you're in an environment where you may need more than one copy of Magic, there's a great deal going for you too. For $995, you get a five-seat license of Magic Speech Software, five Magic Large Print Keyboards, and a five-seat Magic SMA. That's a retail value of $2,885. That's one heck of a deal, and it's good only until October 31st. For more information, you can contact Freedom Scientific at 1-800-444-444. That's 1-800-444-4443 or check out the Freedom Scientific website at freedomscientific.com. Now on to the main part of FSCast for this month. And this month, it's one of the FSCast highlights of the year. Eric Damry joins us once again from Florida to introduce JAWS 15. Time once again to take a look at what's coming up in the next major release of JAWS. This year it is JAWS 15 and as ever we've got Eric Damry in the studio in Florida. Welcome Eric. Hi Jonathan, great to be back here. It's great to be doing this once again and Dan Clark is at the controls and welcome to you Dan, good to have you with us. Glad to be here again, Jonathan. Thank you. Well, there is lots of talk about Windows 8 and touchscreen support. That's certainly a big highlight in JAWS 15, and we're going to spend a lot of time on that later. But before we get there, plenty more to tell you about. Let's talk about JAWS 14, if we could, because updates to JAWS are coming out more frequently than ever now. So when someone has a version of JAWS, they can be assured of getting the latest in as quick a time as possible. Right. We introduced the automatic updates feature in JAWS, uh, I guess it was a couple of years ago. And with each year as it's gone by, we've gotten better at the process. And this year in particular, I think users may have noticed that there were more updates than usual. And I I don't have the exact count in front of me, but I'm, I'm thinking we were at around seven updates since the initial release last October. And In these updates, we're getting more and more changes because the development work that's going on during the course of the year, rather than just putting enhancements and changes to the product from feedback we get from customers over the course of the year into the next SMA release, we're developing in both branches. So our users are getting the benefit of these changes. Oftentimes, things that are being fixed in the same month come right out into a a release for for the users. And I hope that people take an opportunity when those uh, updates do come out, to visit the web page. If you go to the Freedom Scientific homepage, and there's a link on there that talks about what's in that latest update, and they can go right to the section on the page and read through all the changes that we've made. Yeah, and it's not just corrections to issues that users might have reported, although they're very important, but I've noticed as I look at the what's new over the last year or so that there have been some really quite significant enhancements that get rolled out over the course of the year. Right, because, you know, unfortunately, we'd like to think that we can get everything done on a regular schedule and uh, post it at the release time, but that doesn't always happen. There is, over the course of the year, 
as you're developing some things just aren't ready to release in the version so they slip off and they'll show up in an update. So there are features that we continue to add throughout the course of the year. You're right. And I think that's the responsible thing to do, isn't it? Because people can't afford to have half-baked solutions. So if you're working on something, if the team is working on something that just needs a little more time, it's far better to roll it out at a later date. Exactly. And one of the things we've always also wanted to be able to do, Jonathan, is get this available for some of the other languages that we also support. And so that's one of the things that our users in Europe are going to benefit from this year when they see that um, in the JAWS 15 release, automatic updates will be coming available for, I believe, German and Spanish. Initially, I think French is on the list, too. I'm not sure if the French is going to be ready to uh, start updating this fall or not. But automatic updates will be in place now for at least three other languages with more to follow. So we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes with our localizing teams, and uh, we've got that ready to go. So those users will take advantage of not just getting an update once a year, but getting updates throughout the year, too. So let's look ahead to JAWS 15 then. And of course, you and I can both remember a time when we would have to wait some time between when Microsoft would release a new version of Windows and when it would be accessible to screen reader users. And I guess both parties have done some work on that. Are JAWS users going to be able to use Windows 8.1 when it's released? And uh, what are the major changes, if any, that screen readers will notice when they go to 8.1? Yeah, so 8.1 is a a free update for all Windows 8 computers and tablets, and it's scheduled to release to the general public in the October time frame, October 2013 time frame. There is a preview version that just got released in August of 2013, and we've been talking with and working with Microsoft over the course of the past few months doing testing with them and getting feedback and giving them feedback. And uh, we believe that as the public beta of JAWS 15 rolls out in early September, that anyone who gets the preview version of 8.1 should be able to have full access to it and the changes. And, of course, in the final release of JAWS 15, that'll come out in the fourth quarter of 2013, 8.1 should probably be rolling out about that time, and users will be able to use either 8 or 8.1 with that release. And then we'll also be updating JAWS 14 again to cover the changes that have been made in 8.1 so that if you are not on 15 yet and you stay on JAWS 14 for the time being and Windows 8.1 comes out and you get that, you'll be able to use JAWS 14. And the changes are, from a user standpoint, they're fairly subtle. They're not radical changes like going from Windows 7 to Windows 8, but the start screen has changed. Tiles In addition to being squares or rectangles, basically you could have a tile of two different sizes before, now can be smaller than a square, still be a square, be a rectangle, or be a a very big square. So the grid has grown. And so if, if you've used Windows 8 and tried to arrow around on the start screen and look at your tiles and feel like you're getting lost because there's no predictability, 8.1 complicates that a little further. Again, you can still, just like in 8, you can just type in what it is you're looking for and get a list of the applications or settings or files that contain the text that you've typed in, and that's the quick way of finding things rather than the tiles, and that still works. They did change where the start screen lays out that search box and how those things appear, and we had to do some things in JAWS 
to get it to speak that correctly again because uh, they did make some changes there. I think users will find it feels exactly like 8 when they run 8.1 with respect to typing something in and finding their apps, though we've got that working very smoothly. And then the other area of change that I've picked up on is in the store itself. If you go into the store and search for things, it seems to be able to prioritize how they're delivered back to you and makes it a little easier to locate the item that you're actually trying to find. So all in all, 8.1 I think is a, a decent update and I think it will make it, it was really designed to make it easier for sighted people to understand how to use that start screen and I think they may have accomplished that. We'll see. I guess time will tell. Again, I really like Windows 8. From a keyboard using pers- uh, user's perspective, it is very simple to use, and they've actually done, a, I think, a pretty darn good job with it. So you would have no hesitation in recommending when 8.1 is released that people do go ahead and upgrade from 8 to 8.1? Absolutely. Make sure you stay current. If you're using JAWS 14, make sure you've got the latest and greatest JAWS 14 when 8.1 comes out, and you should be all set. And if you're going with JAWS 15, you're ready to go. Now, in terms of JAWS 15, you mentioned briefly timeframes there. When are people, for those listening to the FSCast version of this, what's new? When are people likely to be able to get their hands on a public uh, beta of JAWS 15 and kick the tires? We're pretty much on our normal schedule, and that generally means in the first half of September, the public beta will appear, and in the fourth quarter, usually the first half of the fourth quarter, the final release will get posted. There will be, as usual, probably two, maybe three public betas as we go through the next couple of months, and those will come out as automatic updates for people. And let me add that, as always, in the public beta phase, if you have JAWS 14 and you're authorized for at least JAWS 14, JAWS 15 public beta will work fully functional. You can use it to your heart's content. You're authorized. Once the final release comes out, you will be required to have authorization to run 15. And if you're not sure, you might want to go into your help menu and choose update authorization, have it make sure that you have the latest authorization available on your computer, and then check your about box and see if you have JAWS 14 with an SMA available. And if you do not at that point, and you're interested in getting access to JAWS 15, I highly recommend that you contact your local dealer or distributor or Freedom Scientific and renew your SMA prior to the release of JAWS 15 in order to get the best value for your dollar. And really, the SMA entitles you to updates about 50% the price of the normal update. So I hope everyone can get into the SMA program and stay on it. If you're not sure about your authorization, if you're not sure if you're entitled to it, at any time you can contact Freedom Scientific with your serial number or send in your serial number with your name and an email and request some information and they can let you know. And I think by the end of this, people will be very clear that there are many, many good reasons to update that SMA. I like to say this every year uh, because we have new listeners every year. Uh, It is beta software at this point during the beta cycle and that means that there will be bugs. And so if people uh, are putting this on a Uh, mission-critical machines, such as really important work that they're paid for, they might want to give that some careful thought. That's a great point, Jonathan, and I uh, don't always think to mention that to people, but you're right. If uh, if, If you've got a perfectly good machine running and you're doing your job or this is really critical that there's no problems on this machine, I would never recommend anyone ever install beta software on there. However, if you're familiar with our beta program, if you've done this in the past and these are machines that 
you're able to go in and make changes on and make corrections and you're, you've got earlier versions of JAWS installed that you can fall back to in the event that you had to, I think you can feel pretty safely assured that we've gone to a great deal of effort to make sure that while it is beta software, it's been run by our private beta team for months and we've got an awful lot of people who have been using it, so I think it's ready to go. And beta testing is a partnership, really, isn't it? Because people get a look at the latest that Freedom Scientific has to offer, and that's the very latest in screen reading technology. And in exchange, we're asking for people to provide feedback on any problems they find to make the software better by the time it's released. So how do people do that and provide that feedback? Yeah, so on our website, there will be a a link to the form where people can fill out information about what their experience has been good or bad. I mean, if people are really enjoying the software, I'm happy to have them fill out the form and just let us know everything is going well. But if they are running into something and they'd like us to take a look at it, giving us as much detail as they can on the form is very, very helpful, including you make sure you give your email address and your phone number so that in the event we do need to reach out and speak to somebody, we can easily get back to you. doesn't mean we always do contact folks because many times we understand what the issue is and we're working on it and getting it resolved. But in the event that somebody does need to contact you, uh, you can help us out. And I'll tell you, we're really thankful for the users that, that do help us out because it really makes a difference. We can only simulate so many situations and so many variables that users might have. So the beta process is very important. And I'll, I'll tell you, when we get it out there, and um, I'm always amazed to look at the downloads and see how many thousands of people download that beta as soon as it hits the Internet. It's, uh, it's amazing. I think there are some people sitting there doing refresh on their computer on the, on <laughs> yeah. the browser site, just waiting for it to hit. And uh, we get thousands of people within the first few days generally, and we get uh, very good feedback from that group. We re- appreciate it, and I think the, the average user really appreciates it. In terms of the operating systems supported, uh, are we going all the way back to XP with JAWS 15? And uh, will there be differences in terms of the look and feel and what I can do with JAWS depending on the operating system that I'm running? Yeah, so JAWS 15 is going to continue to support the operating systems that JAWS 14 did. So you have Windows XP, Windows 7, Vista, or 8, or 8.1. You can install 15 on there. It'll work just fine. And in terms of touch support then, is that going to work on anything earlier than Windows 8, or do you have to have Windows 8 and above to use that? Yeah, so the new touch support with gestures and touch screens is all centered around Windows 8 and above. So the touch support under Windows 7 will not work. However, the applications that you've used under Windows 7, if you've got them installed on Windows 8, you can use the touch support within those applications as as they lend itself to use. And we'll talk more about that as we get into the the section here of the FSCast where we're going to demonstrate and talk more about touch support. Now, Microsoft are turning out the lights finally on Windows XP. I've read a lot of tech news where they've said uh, by April of next year, Microsoft will no longer be patching Windows XP. If somebody releases some sort of nasty exploit that might compromise your your safe computing, then Microsoft is not going to help you out after April of next year in terms of patching Windows XP for that. So it really is time for people to give it up. Is Freedom Scientific also looking at giving it up? Will there be a time where JAWS doesn't support Windows XP any longer? Yeah, we've been talking about that now for uh, some time, and we didn't make any changes in 15, so the majority of the features other than the touch things will still all work under XP, and as we make enhancements and fixes, we're still going back and testing against XP, and I'll, 
it, it adds a lot to the test aspect of the product because how JAWS installs and intercepts video and works under XP is quite a bit different from Windows 7 and that's also different now from Windows 8 so there's several different ways we have to um, support the hooking mechanisms that we use to be able to get access to applications and APIs, certain APIs work under certain operating systems and, and not under others in earlier versions. So going forward, you will see that XP support will get pulled, whether that happens in the 16 version in 2014. I'm not positive, but uh, that's always a possibility. Users should you know keep that in mind. I think that uh, Windows 7 is going to be around much like XP. XP lasted uh, about 12 years, I guess, out there in the marketplace, and I think that Windows 7 is going to be very similar. We, we know that school systems and many agencies and businesses that we've spoken with that are running in a Windows 7 platform, they're pretty comfortable there, and I think they're going to stay there for quite a while. I know that the Social Security Administration, which is the large employer in the U.S. that has an awful lot of JAWS and Magic customers, they've gone to Windows 7 now, and I would suspect they'll stay in Windows 7 for the next five, six, seven, eight years probably. And there's a bunch of software that is no longer running on XP, newer versions of Internet Explorer, very useful cloud-based applications like Microsoft SkyDrive. So, in fact, there, there are a number of really compelling reasons to switch from Windows XP to something newer. Right. I think, you know, folks that have been hanging on on XP and that's their only machine they've got, I think, you know, start budgeting. I think next, you know, next year is probably a, a good time if you're starting to make that move to a new machine, and I wouldn't hesitate to go right into Windows 8. I think you'll find it uh, to work very well with JAWS for Windows, for sure. Okay, but for now, those running JAWS 14, you will be able to run 15, and that takes us on to some of the specific features that are available in this. One thing that I've been very impressed with is this new Vocalizer Expressive support. What does this mean if you've got Vocalizer Direct? What's the difference between Vocalizer Direct and Vocalizer Expressive, and how, if at all, do they coexist? Great question, Jonathan. I think uh, Vocalizer Expressive is going to be a, a nice addition, a welcome addition by many of our users. So Vocalizer is the speech synthesizer that you can use instead of Eloquence, if you choose, to have a more natural-sounding synthesizer. It is produced by Nuance, which is a uh, large company from Europe that makes synthesizers and other things like Dragon Naturally Speaking. And they also license Eloquence to us. And one of the questions I, th I know that comes up is people will say, well, what about Eloquence? Is that going away? And that's not going away anytime soon. Eloquence is just fine in 8 and 8.1 of Windows and uh, continues to work. So if you do love Eloquence, you still get it with JAWS. But you'll also get access to Vocalizer Expressive. And for those of you who have installed Vocalizer Direct with JAWS 14 when it came out, the disadvantage to going to Vocalizer or the SAPI 5 synthesizers that were available for the last number of years was that pitch adjustment was not a possibility. So as you would arrow across text, you wouldn't be able to get a higher pitch when you hit a capital letter. And that's a real problem. Uh, most people don't want to hear it say caps every time it hits a capital letter. They would like to have the pitch change, just like Eloquence has always given them. Vocalizer Expressive adds that support or capability in. So now, starting with JAWS 15, you can now install Vocalizer Expressive voices, and you'll be able to get that pitch adjustment. I think, uh, I'm not sure if it's any snappier. Vocalizer Direct was pretty quick, but Vocalizer Expressive is. And there are also some new voices in addition to Ava in English. JAWS version 150 
there's Ava. So uh, that's one of the new Vocalizer Expressive Voices. I should add for people, if you've installed Vocalizer Direct on your machine, you can leave that on your machine, and that Direct Vocalizer will continue to work with JAWS 14. Once you've installed JAWS 15, if you want to switch over to Vocalizer, you'll have to install the Vocalizer Expressive. So 15 and above will always support Vocalizer Expressive. Vocalizer Direct will only ever work with our JAWS 14 along with the current version of Magic 12 and our open book software that's out there. And you can leave direct voices on your computer and install the expressive voices as well. You can have them both on there. In order to get the Vocalizer expressive voices, you can find these easily by going to the downloads page or if you have JAWS 15 installed, if you go to the help menu. Menu bar, options, utilities, language, help. And in help. Menu, help menu, training. You'll find a thing called web resources. Just help topic keyboard com what's new end user license technical support web resources submenu. Just headquarters. And in web resources at the bottom or towards the bottom we'll find vocalizer expressive download page. Technical support FS active surfing the internet magic screen training head pack mate head vocalizer expressive download page. And pressing enter on this. Leaving menus Windows Internet Explorer vocalizer expressive voices new tab page home products shop free product. And this will put you on the Vocalizer Expressive page, which is set up and laid out very much like the Vocalizer Direct page was. And you can just go through all the voices, and there's buttons to download them and uh, launch the install. And it's a very simple setup. Once you're done, restart JAWS, and then you can set up a voice profile for any of the Vocalizer Expressive voices that you put on. You'll also find in Vocalizer Expressive that we now have Colombian Spanish. There's some new voices added for Danish and Russian and I think there were a few other changes in there in addition to this Ava voice in English. So I encourage people to, to check this out and give these voices a try. You'll really like it. Now with the pitch capabilities, we'll... Uh, Vocalizer expressive voice. O-C-A-L-I-Z-E-R space E-X-P. So you heard the E was in a higher pitch. So you can pick up on capitalization just like you did with Eloquence. Thank you again for being with us today on Main Menu. We always appreciate having you here. We hope you've 